Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner, man. It is late on a Sunday night. I just finished watching uh, the Jordan Last Dance special, and yeah, it's episode seven and eight. So we got one more week of this, guys, from episode nine and ten next week. But let's talk about what I thought about this episode, man. First off, I think I'm going to start with the Scottie Pippen uh, uh, topic here and how this relates to leadership. So, Scotty, uh, this was when the Bulls. Uh, when Jordan had left the first year and the Bulls won 55 games, they had Horace, they had Scotty, they had Tony Kukoc, and they were playing uh, in the uh, semifinals. And they were down one point. Or no, no, I'm sorry. The game was tied. Phil Jackson called the play to have Tony Kukoc shoot the ball for a game winner. Scotty felt slighted because uh, he thought that the play should have been called for him, and it wasn't. And so, uh, you know, he sat in the bench and, and, and told Phil that he was out. He didn't want to come in the game. And it's like the last player of the game. And so Phil says, to hell with it. All right. Put in somebody else. And I think they put in Jed, Jed, Jed Buchel, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, the Bulls pass the ball in. Kukos takes a shot, hits the game winner. All right. Now, when it comes to leadership, leadership, come on, Scott. You got to do better than that, man. Like being being a leader, right? everything's not going to go your way all the time. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, guys. Like being a good leader is knowing when to be able to follow too. And at that moment, Scotty, you should have followed, bro. You should have followed, man. You had to follow at that moment. Um, All great leaders know when to follow. All great leaders are always constantly learning things to evolve their craft. All great leaders know that they will have to leave from the front and also leave from the back sometimes. Sometimes you got to let your your stars shine. And if you got some subordinates that work for you that are great at what they do, sometimes you got to take yourself out of the equation and support them. Support them wholeheartedly and and, and fully, but you got to let them shine and you got to let them do their things and you not take that shine. I think that was a moment probably in Scott's career that he probably regrets to this day. And it's a moment that makes you come off as looking selfish. And wow, you know, I, I can't I can't um, think of a time where I would you know tell my tell my employer no I'm not doing it send somebody else in there or you know I'm in the military so for instance if if I'm deployed and we got to go uh, you know assess something downrange and I'm mad because I'm not the lead assessor so I tell my colonel or my general. No, I'm not doing it. Send somebody else. Come on, man. Come on, Scotty. You got to do better than that. And Scotty, you, Scotty's one of my favorite players of all time, you know, but you got to do better than that. But yeah, that's on the leadership front. But let's talk about the sports part of this now. That Bulls team that year, the first year that Jordan left, they won 55 games, guys. Remember that they won 55 games. That was one hell of a team that Phil Jackson um, built and Jerry Krause built. Uh, so when, when Jordan left, he still had a 55 win team that 
damn near dominated. They I, they had an opportunity to actually go to the finals. Um, they couldn't make it past the Knicks. The Knicks end up going to the finals and getting beat by the Rockets. You know, but um, I would have loved to see what the Bulls could have done. Um, yeah, that was uh, very, very um, refreshing to see that coaching matters. Coaching does matter. And, you know, a lot of people say it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the bros and the Joes. And, yes, that is true. That is that is so true because I think even though if you have the X's and O's, you got to have the right players to execute. And Phil had the right players. And so that was an amazing season to see that. But let's break this down, too, guys. Let's look at just just the sports aspect of this and, and just this series in general. What a series this was. What a series this was tonight, guys. Episode seven and eight were amazing. You know, we see, um, you know, why Jordan retired the first time. We see, you know, we, we kind of see the memories that, you know, I remember. I grew up on watching Jordan every night I could watch him and seeing him retire. I, I just remember at that moment when Jordan actually retired and it was just like, really? No, he's at the top of his game. Why? And then, you know, you understand that that his dad was, you know, was brutally murdered. And he probably just needed to recharge his batteries. And I think that's exactly what happened. And sad, a sad thing, you know, that actually happened to his father. That was just despicable. Um, but, you know, Jordan leaves and he, and he goes and does what he wants to do. He goes to play baseball. Um which was something that, you know, we all know about that. And we're in, we're in the number 45 there and then coming back into the league. Um, but just looking at uh, the passion that he has for certain things, uh, Jordan is relentless, guys. Um, when he came back uh, after that 18-month stint, you know, of not playing ball and going to go play baseball, the Bulls were were – Almost there. I mean, if he had his legs underneath him and been in basketball shape, could you imagine? I think they could have probably taken the the magic, and who knows what would have happened against uh, the Rockets. And that's the series I always wanted to see. I always wanted to see the Rockets in their prime with Hakeem, who was the best center in the league at that time, hands down, one of the top three or four centers, I think, of all time. Um, cat like reflexes, hell of a defensive player, hell of a score. We never seen a center that agile and that nimble and that skilled and gifted. He moved like a shooting guard or small forward at six foot eleven. Um, then you had Clyde, who everybody knows that Clyde is at the you know, he was during his heyday the second best shooting guard in the league. But you know, Jordan, of course, was the was the top, and um, but it would have been interesting, it would have been interesting to see that series because. I don't think the gap, the gap between um, Jordan and Clyde uh, was not as big as the gap between whoever was going to guard a king. Being honest, just being honest, um, you know, if that would have been Bill Cartwright, the gap between Bill Cartwright and Akeem is so much greater than the gap between Jordan and Clyde. And then you have your role players, the Pippins, and you know the BJ Armstrongs who would have been in those teams, um, or the Paxons. You know the yeah, the year before Jordan um, actually left to go play baseball. If that team would have stayed assembled and have represented the Eastern Conference in the in the initial year that he retired, when the Bulls won fifty five games, 
how would that team stack up against the Rockets? And that's something I know sports fans would love to see and are probably clamoring to just think about how that series would have played out. But, man, we missed a good one there. But neither here nor there. Hakeem's one of my favorite players. I, actually, I was actually the ball boy for him for a game. Um, him, uh, the whole Rockets team, and they were playing um, – the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so I was a ball boy for Kevin Garnett to that game. So I'll, I'll never forget. It was, it was KG's rookie year. And that was the time when the Rockets, they, they still had Clyde. It was the Rockets with Hakeem Clyde. They had Kenny Smith still on the team, uh, Robert Ory, and they had uh, Charles Barkley. But Charles didn't play that game. But, you know, long story short. But when you look at how tenacious Jordan was, man, when he came back, and he kind of willed it, you know, that team to the playoffs. Well, they were already probably going to be in the playoffs, but they were like a 500 team. He gets back. I think the Bulls finished that season 47 wins. So I think Jordan played the last 17 games, if I'm not mistaken. But scoring 55 points in the garden after not being uh, suited up for 18 months. Wow. Wow. 55 points and not playing ball for 18 months. You know, they end up losing the series against the Magic, um, you know, but it is what it is. But Jordan goes that summer and actually records Space Jam. And for him to bring his trainer back, for him to bring his trainer back, and he would train for three hours just during the day when he was actually filming and then bring in people, like other great players to play against him. You saw he had Robin play against him. He brought in the Reggie Millers. He brought in the Patrick Ewings, the Jawan Howards. He brought in a bunch of players that were all-stars in this league to play against him while he was filming uh, Space Jam. And they played from like 7 to 10 o'clock at night after all the filming. Jordan Smart. You see, what makes Jordan so smart is yeah, he wanted some pickup games. He wanted to get back in basketball shape, but don't think he's a dummy. Jordan wanted to do this, guys, because he needed the intel. He was getting intel. He was getting all the intel that he could get on all these players. So when they came that next season and they added Dennis Robin to that team, they killed everybody. Wasn't even close. 72 wins. Jordan had all the intel he needed. And he murdered people. I mean, man, he's definitely one of the smartest uh, players I think we've ever seen. You know, and the same thing that he did with the Dream Team when when Clyde Drexler was on that team. You know, Jordan had especially wanted Clyde to play because he wanted to just be better than him and see what made him tick and what made him do him. So kudos to Jordan, man. He is the greatest, you know. Depending on who you talk to, it's it's him or LeBron, guys. I know, I know we don't want to talk about who's the greatest, but you know, Jordan is he's he's that dude. He's that dude, man. He is that dude. Um, I just hate that we didn't get to see those two years that he was out. Could they have won eight in a row? Mm. A part of me thinks that they wouldn't have got past Houston twice. I think maybe once, but I think Houston would have got him one time. Hakeem's on another planet at that time. It'd been very interesting to see. And that was one of the players that Jordan had problems with uh, when they did play each other in the regular season prior to him retiring. But, man, man. So we just talked about guys. Leadership, leadership, leadership. Scotty Pippen. Poor leadership management skills when you 
refuse to go into a game because the play is not drawn up for you. You can't do that, Scotty, man. As a leader, you have to be better. You have to understand that everything is not built for you all the time. It's not. Even Jordan passed the ball in certain moments. You know, the shots that Steve Kerr hit, the shots that Paxson hit, you know, the shots that Scotty's hit, you know, just throughout his career. Even though Jordan's the greatest to ever suit up in his generation, it's still a time and a place to where you don't have to take every shot. And the next point I want to make, guys, is just how relentless and how skilled and how tenacious and how everything Jordan was, man. He he uh, was was a guy who definitely uh, held grudges and uh, always motivated himself. And let's talk about that motivation here after the next commercial break. And we're back, guys. So let's talk about this motivation that Jordan had, man. How motivated was this guy? Probably the most motivated player that we've probably ever seen. Um, first off, let's start with the uh, the B.J. Armstrong uh, playoffs when B.J. actually played for the Hornets at this time and he was on the team with Dale Curry and David Wesley and a few other players. You know, I think Vlade Divac was on that team too. Um, wasn't the most skilled team at all, but they played against Jordan. Um, I think the first year that Jordan had gotten back um, – and Jordan ran him out the court the first game. In the second game, B.J. did his thing, you know, because he knew the triangle. He knew where to go. He knew where where the spots were. He knew how to, I guess, defeat this team if he had better players. He knew what to do. He knew that team in and out because he had just won three championships with him. So, you know, B.J. goes off, right, kills him, you know, scores the game-winning point, and – once he once he scores that last bucket to put him up by five, uh, he looks at the bench. He looks at Jordan. It's like almost like a sense of you know, like a sigh of relief that basically he's done it. This was his team that he was on, but he just put it uh, a dagger in their heart to win game two. Jordan didn't forget about it. I think the Bulls come out. They win the next three games, and he made a statement basically that DJ, you know BJ must have forgot. You know, so he he <laughs> he he was just so much of a competitor that he couldn't let things go. And that's what fueled him. Another instance was LeBradford Smith, Washington Bullets first round draft pick. Right. Goes off for 37 points on Jordan. Um, I mean, puts puts the whoop, whoop, wop, wop on him. Right. 37 points. Jordan had a horrible game, but they had a back to back. So they had to fly over from Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, to. Uh, Washington, and uh, I guess Jordan made up a rumor that after the game, LeBradford Smith came up to him and said, hey, Jordan, good game. And so Jordan took so much of an offense to that that he told the other players in his team that, hey, I'm going to do what he did in the full game. I'm going to have that in the first half. So he kills LeBradford Smith, scores 36 points in the first half. I forgot how many points he had for the game, but you know, a reporter asked him after the game, did 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 Smith, you know, actually tell him good game after the first game? And he said, nah, I just made that up. So <laughs> I was like, he, he's so great, but it, he didn't need any more ammo to get this kid. Just understand that, hey, the kid embarrassed me on my home court. Let's just go get him. But he had to make something up in his mind that this kid said something to him so that he had to go 
hard on him the next time he saw him. Like he had to have some kind of mental edge, even if it was fabricated. And that was a fabricated story with the Bradford Smith, but he had to do that internally to, to psych himself up for this game. And so that was something that stood out to me because this is like the greatest guy of his generation, the greatest of all time to, to do that. Like, why do you have to psych yourself up for a guy like LeBrad for Smith? You're already better than him. All right. You don't have to psych yourself up for him. What he did. I mean, to me, that was hilarious. I thought it was funny, but the next thing was uh, George Carl. So, you know, George Carl, he was the coach for the Seattle Supersonics and Seattle played the Bulls that year when they won 72 games. And um, I guess George Carl sees uh, Jordan inside of a restaurant and he walks past him, doesn't say anything. And these guys know each other. You know, they play golf with each other down in North Carolina, yada, yada, yada. They're, you know, they're they're good friends, right? I wouldn't say good friends, but they're guys who will cord draw off the court. But he walks to a restaurant, sees Jordan, doesn't say nothing to him, walks past him like he doesn't see him. So Jordan says, I'm about to do, I'm about to do some damage now. I'm about to light him up. So he does that. First uh, two games, he lights up um, the Supersonics. And the Bulls go up 2 nothing. And I remember as a as a kid watching the series, it's like the Bulls are going to sweep them. But George Carl, um, you know, he 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 basically uh well actually the Bulls went up three nothing. It was three nothing. So I, I thought it was gonna be a sweep. George Carl probably made the biggest coaching mistake that he could ever made. You had Gary Payton, who's one of the top on ball uh point guard defenders to ever play this game the glove. He needed them for offense. He said, Hey, look, I don't need you to play defense. I don't need you to expend your energy on Jordan on the defensive end. I need you to play offense and score points. So he did that and they went down Oh three. So Gary Payton said, man, screw that. I'm guarding them. So Gary Payton guards him guard, you know, like game four, Jordan has, I think the worst game of the playoffs, you know, you know, for himself in that game four, and then Gary Payton does the same thing in game five, and they lose it. So now it's a 3-2 series. The Bulls end up closing it out in game six. However, what was funny to me was, you know, Gary Payton made some interesting comments. He said that a lot of people were scared of Jordan, and they were mentally checked out when they when they guarded him. But Gary Payton said, hey, man, I'm hey, I'm, I'm a guy from Oakland, man. I ain't, nobody scares me, All right? So he wasn't afraid of Jordan. He played rough with him like he played with everybody else, and I was just like, it was refreshing to see that, but they showed Jordan the tape and Jordan's laughing. Like <laughs> the glove, uh, GP, uh, nah, he I had no problems with Gary Payton. He could hang with me, basically. Come on, Jordan, man. Get that man some credit, man. He played you hard, man. Nobody played you hard like that this season, man. Get that man some credit, man. Get that man some credit. Give him some roses, man. Give him his roses while he's still living. Gary Payton played you hard. That's why you had two bad games. Um it is what it is, but not to say, I mean, we all know Jordan. You are the dude, man. But let's 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 just keep it real sometimes, man. The dude played you tough. And maybe things would have been different. Maybe the outcome would have stayed the same, but maybe the series went to seven games if Gary Payton would have guarded him those first three games. Maybe. Maybe. But uh yeah, it was interesting, very interesting to see that commentary. Uh, but he never, ever got rid of a grudge. He took a, a grudge for what it was and tried to annihilate you the next time he played you. Now, not only did he do that with 
players that he played against, but um, Jordan had a moment in that in there where uh, they were showing old footage of him talking to Scott Burrell. I mean, he, you know, kind of used some pretty foul language and called him out of his name, um, you know, uh, kind of called him a, a kitten without calling him a kitten, if you know what I mean, uh, a kitten with the with starting with a P. So you guys can kind of kind of piece that together. Um, caught him the uh, the garden tool uh, word a few times in there. And so, you know, this is another thing about leadership. And it's just like having kids. Every thing that you do to motivate one person is not going to motivate everybody the same way. And so um, if 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 I motivate uh, one of the you know that one person that works for me by being hard on them and that works for them, that's great. But some things that I do with one person I work with might not work for another person. And I think that's one thing that we have to kind of look at when it comes to to Jordan is I, he was hard on everybody. He was just, he was the same way. Um, he was hard on Scott Burrell, and he said that he wanted to make a mean because he was such a nice guy. But that's not in his nature. Some guys can be silent assassins, but Scott Burrell wasn't the player that Jordan was. And I think that's what great players and and people who are great at their profession, you know, they don't realize that um, you're great for a reason. You're you're great for a reason. Everybody can't be at your level. And so no matter how much you work somebody, they're never going to be at your level. You know, I always tell, you know, people who I talk to that uh, you can't make a donkey a thoroughbred. And saying that just means I can train a donkey all day and make them run, you know, around a track 24-7, but he's never going to be as fast as a thoroughbred because he's not bred for that. And you know, like I said, Scott Burrell was great. He was good enough to be in the NBA, meaning that he is a great basketball player compared to the rest of the world. He's one of only 15 people on the team times 32 teams. You guys do the math on that. You know, so less than 2,000 people are in the NBA. And he was one of those people. And so that means he is great at his profession, but then there is an elite level. An elite level are the Jordans and the, you know, the guys who are the, the perennial all-stars and the Hall of Famers. And you can't train somebody to be elite. You either have it or you don't. Jordan, you had it, and Scott Burrell didn't, and it's what it is. One thing I did notice is that he he picked on Scott Burrell quite a bit, and it's because Scott Burrell never challenged him. One thing I did notice is that little bit of Steve Kerr, <laughs> Stevie Steve, Stevie Steve wasn't playing. You know, uh, you know Jordan uh, fouled him pretty hard, and, and and Steve stood up to him, punched him in the chest, and then Jordan punched him in the eye, and and, and Phil Jackson kicked him out of practice. But the first thing that Jordan did was he called Steve Kerr after that and told him that, hey, man, I apologize, you know, yada, yada, yada. However, he never misses Steve Kerr again. And that's one of those, I look at it as a bully mind frame, right? I always tell people that you might not be the best fighter in the world, but guess what? When somebody misses with you, you bring it to them too. You go down with a fight, you know? And the reason is, they might beat you bad, but you know what they're going to think about? Oh, he don't care. That dude don't care. I, I, I'm going to miss with him, but he going to fight back. And that that's too hard. That's too difficult. I'm going to pick on somebody else. And it's like, that's what Jordan did. You know, I don't think he was used to people standing up to him. 
Steve Kerr stood up to him like a man, 10 toes down. Look, let's get it. You know, and Jordan still might have got the best of him, but he ain't pick on him no more because he knew Steve Kerr was going to hold his ground. And sometimes you need you need to know that the people around you are going to stand their ground even when you're not there. And if you're willing to stand your ground against the big dog, against the head honcho, if you're willing to 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 stand your ground with the guy who could ultimately get you fired because <laughs> he was the Bulls, then, you know, you're willing to let him hang when it's time to let him hang. And that's what Steve Kerr did. And I think Jordan really respected that. He never missed Steve Kerr again. All right. So, you know, like kudos to Steve Kerr. And that is a a valuable lesson for people to understand that never, ever, ever let anybody call you out your name. Never let people try to make you feel less than what you are. Um, Because once they start doing it one time, it like in the essence of in the situation with, you know, Scott Burrell, they'll do it over and over and over again. That's what Jordan did. He belittled him his entirety of of his career with Chicago Um, and because he didn't stand up for himself. I guarantee you Scott Burrell stood up to him. And, and gave him a two-piece in the biscuit, there would be no more uh, uh, calling him the garden tool, in other words. Uh, you know, so it is what it is. But um, there's just different forms of leadership. Uh, sometimes you need to understand who you need to be hard on and ride, and some people you don't have to ride hard. Um, you know, and I think that's that's what uh, gets misconstrued in, in, in some of these documentaries. However, who am I to say that Jordan did a bad, a, a bad job of, of leading people. He won six championships. He went to the championship six times and won six times. So it's a six-time finals MVP. So who am I to say that he was a bad leader? A, a, a numbers don't lie. Uh, but one thing I do want to end this on, I did notice that uh, Jordan teared up and he cried a little bit when he was talking about, you know, hey, you need to get on the train, get off the train. And, you know, just – my opinion, I was talking with, you know, like with the wife about this. And I was like, you know, why did he tear up about that? You know, and, you know, maybe I'm overanalyzing this, but, you know, Jordan is, is, is the greatest, right? And if you don't think it's the greatest, he's one of the greatest, you know, he's one or two, depending on who you guys want to say is the greatest. It's either him or LeBron. And that's, that's pretty much the barbershop conversation, right? But I think deep down inside, not a lot of players like him. You know, um, not a lot of players like him. And I wonder if if, if now he, he's done all this winning, I wonder if that kind of gets to him sometimes that he's not really liked that much. And, you know, people love to play with him because they won. But I honestly wonder who from any of those teams besides Scottie Pippen does he talk to? Who? And I, I I don't know the answer, but if I had to take a guess on it, I, I would guess it would be a, a, a slim few to none that he talks on a regular basis. But, um, yeah, I, I just thought that was kind of – it was kind of interesting to see him kind of break down and cry when he when he made the statement about, you know, hey, that's how hard he wanted to win and that's how much he wanted to win and you need to get on the train, get off the train kind of, kind of statement. So – Man, on that note, man, it's getting late, guys. And so you guys know, man, great series, a great series. I can't wait to see the last two episodes. This was much needed, especially during this time when we don't have any sports. Thank you, Jordan, and, and your team for, for having these videos come out. Um, but, yeah, man, think about how this relates to leadership. Um, and 
would you apply some of these same tactics to to leadership? So it's just very interesting. But on that note, guys, man, it's late. I love you guys, man. But do you, man? Don't be afraid to fail. I'll grow your environment. Understand your brilliance. Just like the shirt says, do you. And on that note, Nina's Corner, I am out, baby. It's time to go to sleep.